This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD, or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleyjames.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead. That's audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me, at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com, where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad that you are here for this supersized Sing 2019 episode. Sing is a worship conference that is held by Keith and Kristen Getty in Nashville, Tennessee. This year it was at the Opryland Hotel, and boy was it great. They had some amazing artists, some wonderful speakers, some incredible exhibitors, and it was great to connect with old friends. As many of you know, Keith Getty has been a friend of this show, and so have so many of the artists that were there. There wasn't time to get a recording with everybody, but I ran into my old friend Andrew Peterson in the hallway. I ran into Andrew Osenga, people who've been on the show before and have been such good friends. But we did get some other wonderful conversations with some other amazing artists who have never been on the show before. Listen to the list of conversations you're going to get to hear on this huge episode today. I got to speak with Fernando Ortega, Sandra McCracken, Old Bear recording artist Weston Skaggs, Stephen J. Nichols, Matt Papa, who else? Fred Human, David Zimmer, uh, uh, Joshua McLeod of Instruments of Joy. There was just a number of wonderful conversations. And if some of them are people that you've not yet heard of, by the time we finish these conversations, they are people you are going to want to go out and learn more about, I promise you. Every conversation was great, a valuable time together. So that's going to be in just a moment. Because I did just return from the SING conference, I wanted to offer something special to listeners, especially those who may have had interest or even been at the SING conference. Maybe some of you had been streaming the event 
And I want to say thank you because the Getty, the Getty music people were so wonderful about advertising my album Thunder on the main screens and the general sessions. And I just could not believe the generosity and in, in their letting me do that. So if you will go to rickleyjames.com or rickleyjames.myshopify.com, you can use the promo code SING, S-I-N-G. Just make sure that the first letter is capitalized. If you use that promo code SING, you can get my latest album, Thunder, on vinyl and CD for $10 off. Use that code. Thunder, as many of you know, is a song that was written by the late Rich Mullins and Lowell Alexander and Phil Nash, and Rich never got to release it before he passed away. I was so honored to be able to put Thunder on my album. I love Rich Mullins, and I just feel so honored to be able to release this and bring it to you. So use that coupon code SING with capital S-I-N. G, and you can get $10 off Thunder on vinyl and CD at rickleyjames.com. All right, I think that's it for our intro, so sit back and enjoy some of these wonderful conversations with amazing artists here on Voices in My Head. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you. Well, here I am at the Getty Sing Conference in 2019, and I, I just met a new friend, David Zimmer. He just was playing on the stage in the exhibit hall with Bob Coughlin and did a wonderful set, and I just pulled him aside and asked him if he had a few moments that he could talk to us a little bit about his music and ministry and his life and uh, what he's doing with Sovereign Grace uh, music these days and with Getty music. So, David, thank you for being here. Good to be here. So, I just heard you do a really wonderful set, and it was in a, an exhibit hall where a lot of people were sitting around listening, and it was neat to see people just kind of start to be drawn in as you're singing really songs about grace and the mm -hmm. power of God and, and even introduced us to some new music that we hadn't heard before. So I was grateful for that. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with Sovereign Grace Music and also with Getty Music. Yeah, I um, thank you, by the way, for having me. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles mm -hmm. um, and I got to know Getty Music through the school I was at, the college I went to, uh, which was the Masters University. And we became friends. And in 2005, 2006, I toured with them uh, playing drums oh. and uh, was an had an absolute blast. Um, and so that sort of sparked that friendship. And then... Um, Meeting Sovereign Grace Music Bob, we'd always been really influenced by Bob from mm -hmm. a distance. Um, and we had a conference out in Los Angeles called the Resolved Conference. Um, and the host band that I was a part of was called Enfield. And um, we were modernizing old hymns um, and just had a passion for deeply theological songs yeah. uh, sung by college students. Mm -hmm. um, and so that birthed a relationship with Bob and uh, his wife, Julie, and Sovereign Grace Music. And for the past probably 10 years, maybe less, seven years, um, I have been uh, playing drums with Sovereign Grace wow. on probably the last um, eight or nine projects. Hmm. So it's been really sweet to play drums with them 
but also now getting more into the songwriting side with them. Yeah, that's terrific. And you played guitar today and sang, and so nobody would know you were a drummer from what you did today. So multi, <laughs> multi-talented. Oh man, uh, I I I tried to pluck the chords out and stay in tune as much as I can, but um, I don't have yeah the the protection of the drum kit. Sure. But <laughs> Understood. To yeah. hide behind. Yeah, most of us musicians, we like to hide behind something when we're playing. That's yep. for sure. Yep. Well, you wrote some good songs. They were, there's some very uh, rich material mm, in some you. of it that you introduced today. I believe one was called He Is Good, uh, or, or You Are Good. Yeah, You Are Always Good. You Are Always Good. I'm yeah. sorry. I, no, not at all. Re- remember off the top of my head. Uh, but it seemed like the, the people who were listening really took to that one. And so oh, I think wow. that's one people are going to enjoy hearing. Thank um, you. So you've mentioned that you've been uh, playing with Sovereign Grace for a while. How did mm-hmm. you come to be a part of Getty Music and, and doing some writing with them? Yeah, so um, a lot of years went by since uh, I, I had been drumming with them. Uh, but Keith and I stayed in touch quite a bit. He'd come to Grace Community mm-hmm. and he would lead uh, worship at our church where I was the college uh, worship pastor mm. um, for our college ministry. So we, I just would see him twice a year, maybe, sure. <laughs> uh, in and out, and keep bugging him. And, uh, and then that sort of opened up a relationship to um, him being kind of open to songs, yeah. uh, which I thought was uh, incredible, mm. uh, and was so humbled to just be with him and kind of see how his brain ticks how he thinks about melody, mm-hmm. um, and so it was, I mean, it was like a class, yeah. you know, a, a writing session with him in its own right. Well, this is a pretty special conference that they've put together, and I'm glad that they had you come and, and play on, yeah. the, on the exhibit hall stage, yeah. because it was, uh, it was really a treat for me. I haven't heard uh, Bob Coughlin live in many years. I, I mm-hmm. actually heard him at a, I don't know, seen him here and there at conferences in different places. Always good. Always such a great writer. Yeah. And so it was a treat to kind of get to hear, hear him accompany you today yeah. and be able to play together. Uh, what, what is exciting to you that's on the horizon that you can tell us about a little bit? Anything that you're working with uh, project-wise or just anything yeah. in your ministry and life you're excited about? We'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. Um, I, um, I'm sort of transitioning from being a full-time musician in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. a freelance drummer, um, into more of a centralized songwriting role. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting, really daunting. Um, just because I know how many songs it takes to get a good one. Sure. Uh, so, but I'm really excited about that. I have a collection of songs uh, that I'm probably going to release uh, in the near future. That are, that might just be under my name, David Zimmer. Good. Um, songs like "You Are Good," mm-hmm. uh, "You Are Always Good" um, would go on there. That would still be in the vein of helpful, theologically rich, congregational songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but not under any sort of uh, branch. Um, and also hopefully continuing to write with Sovereign Grace music yeah. um, and you know, potentially getting music. Well, good. And, and you, already have, you already have some music on uh, like iTunes and places? Uh, like, I, have a, I do have an album on iTunes and Spotify. Okay. It's an old album. Like 2013, I think. It I is. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wanted to make sure. So uh, people can check out some of your music from yeah. them, but it's good to know that there's new stuff on the horizon that's yeah. coming out. 
And uh, I'm excited. I'll be watching in the coming days to see uh, the good things that God is opening and bringing in your life. Mm. So thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Anything else you'd like to tell people? Do you have a website or anything that you'd like to re refer them to? I do not. Um, I do not. I feel like uh, if you want to, if you're on social media and you want to follow a complete stranger, it's just David Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, but no, I mean, thank you for taking the time. Well, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for spending a few minutes of time with us. Conference 2019 in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm so pleased to sit down with my old friend, Fred Human. He is the director of Music Works International. He's here this week, actually, at the IWS booth, and we're going to talk about some of the things he's been working on. He was on the show, it's been at least a couple years ago Oh my now. gosh, I, I thought it was like early, like week one or two or it something was, It was early like on, that. yeah. We're I'm in, surprised you had a podcast after that. <laughs> and we've made it to the 300s now, episodes, yeah, so we're, we've been going for a while. You've been a busy boy. Yeah, it's been very busy, but very fruitful. God's been doing some good stuff. And really eclectic, that's what I love about it. Yeah. That's I, great. I enjoy it too, that's why it's voices in my head, it's all over the place for sure. Well, we can pray for healing. <laughs> appreciate it. Well, Fred, I want to know, um, first of all, about your work in, in Ukraine, because you've been doing some really fascinating things there, working with students and people who are uh, training to become worship leaders there. Tell us just a little bit, and I know we don't have much time, but no. kind of give us the, the short speech, if you can, about your work there and what's been happening. Well, God, I mean, it's, it's been an amazing thing, something I really never expected. The, the quick couple of sentence thing is right as... Um, the Soviet Union was falling apart. I was able to be a part of, uh, I was based in England at the time, was able to be a part of a, of a joint thing called Commission, where people, various mission agencies were working together to bring some ethical education and stuff to countries in the, in the former Eastern Bloc. And they decided they wanted to do, um, bring some worship music for the churches that were being planted. Mm. And so at that point, they had access to the first seven albums of Maranatha choruses, mm -hmm. which at that point were 20 years old. Yeah. Um, so this is 1992, mm -hmm. and I was able to, to make recordings with Christian believers in three of those countries mm. uh, of these worship songs into languages that really didn't have anything. So Estonia, Latvia, and Ukraine. Okay. And it was not, nothing against Estonia or Latvia, but when I got to wow. Ukraine, God just touched my heart and just smacked me upside the head. Uh -huh. Like, this is something, this isn't a unique situation. I actually came across a couple of years ago the notes that I took for, during that week for all the recording that we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I had notes from speaking at the local church that provided the, um, the uh, singers that we were using. And I spoke to them and said, you know, God has really touched my heart. Mm -hmm. I said, 
uh, here. I hope, I pray I get the opportunity to return. Mm -hmm. But I also said something. I said, there's, um, there is, this is not the new canons, like now you only sing Maranatha songs. Yeah. But this is a way you can use your music and your words to worship God in your way. Yeah. Fast forward 25 years, 25 years, 20 years later, 19, 2012, I'm there to teach again. Never wondered what happened. I arrive at this event. Gentleman who who was on staff at the seminary came, said, "Oh, have you been in Ukraine before?" I said, "I told him that story," mm -hmm. and he said, well, "I didn't tell him what I said," and he said, "He said, oh, you're the guy." I went, oh, no. <laughs> the, let's see, the, my stuff's still in the van. At 30 minutes to the airport, maybe I can get out of the country before this all explodes in my face. Because these cassettes were distributed all to small churches all across the mm -hmm. country. Cassettes. You may be familiar with that technology. <laughs> Cassette tape. <laughs> anyway. Um, I meet this man, Oles, and he says, oh, you're the guy. I went, oh, no. And he realized, oh, no, no, you must understand, I'm a songwriter, I'm a singer. Mm -hmm. And we wore those tapes out. He said, those songs helped me realize that I could use my music and my words to worship God wow. in my way. And, I went, and he was like three at the time. Mm. So it's like there's no way he could have known that. So God had my antenna up, long story short. As a result, for the last... Seven years I've been involved in Ukraine alongside the seminary, Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary, the only seminary in the country, uh, Protestant seminary, that has residential students mm -hmm. as well as part-time students, most of them are the other. The broad range, the only one that's non-denominational, so everything, for, as they say, Baptist, Pentecostal, and everything in between yeah. in terms of the, the church scene in Ukraine and having an impact not just in that nation but throughout Central Asia. So they're teaching and training and all that. So we've been able to work alongside uh, the music ministry and theology department. That's yeah. one department name. Sure. Okay. It's not the music ministry department, theology department. They have a theology department. Yeah. This is the music ministry and theology department. So basically three things. I am teaching students. I'm mentoring the leaders. I'm mentoring the staff and uh, consulting with the leadership and developing that. And we've seen the department explode. Hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a God thing. That's great. I mean, it's, that, that sounds like the Christian thing to say, but really, yeah. it's a God thing. So now those students are being equipped. We now have bachelor students who are, you know, a couple of them are right now in Kenya teaching students yeah. in Kenya. So these are Ukrainians acting out the Great Commission. Duh. Yeah. It's not just for Americans or yeah. North Americans or Westerners. So we're seeing all those kind of things happen, and we're seeing students get excited about worship theology, as well as and interacting that with their contemporary music. Yeah. Well, and I think that's helpful, too, because every now and then we will see in our news something about Ukraine being invaded or, you know, things that it's so far off in our minds, I think, at least in this country, we can't hardly even connect sometimes. Well, where is Ukraine? Well, this is a good way to remember and pray for that part of the world. Oh, my gosh. Think about this. We have students. We have staff and students who, who have not seen their homes in four years. Hmm. Uh, some of the staff were at what was the largest Christian university in the country in the Donbass, the region that the, the Russian-backed separatists have taken, uh, who uh, the, the university got turned into a brothel by these local separatists. So they're now in Kiev where we work teaching. Some of the students, you know, the backyard is the front line. Some of our students are now, some of the graduates from the seminary, not in the music department, the theology department, are, have planted a church, or pastoring a church that's literally on the front line. Wow, that's amazing. We have people, uh, we have, we've had some people from occupied areas in the country come to the conference, hmm. and 
and wow. they would come and tell the stories, you know, behind closed doors that sound like Soviet times wow. as far as the oppression. So it's the war is real, uh, the pressure is real. What what blows me away about my friends and colleagues is that they're saying, "What can we do to advance the kingdom of God in this situation?" Yeah. Wow. It's phenomenal. That's amazing. So it's overwhelming, and it's yeah. an honor to work with them. You know, I get to talk to them, but I get to appreciate that culture too. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, thank you for, for sharing a bit about that. And, and if people want to find out more about the work you're doing, is there a website or any place they can go to? Yeah, we're, I mean, it's been moving so fast in a one-man show that it's like, it's the most embarrassing website in the universe. Well, it's either fredhuman.org, but that's .com, that's hard to spell. Musicworksintl.org. Musicworksintl.org. Great. Well, thank you for sharing about that, and I know our time is brief, but I want to hear about IWS because you're studying there too. First, tell our listeners what IWS is. Well, it's the Institute for Worship Studies, and the formal name is the Robert E. Weber Institute for Worship Studies. Right. Here they've alphabetized it under the. Um, <laughs> the. <laughs> the. <laughs> but it should be IW, it's IWS for okay. short. And it's been going for 20-some years, and it's probably it's the one school that started all this whole worship studies phenomenon. Yeah. Robert Weber is the name a lot of your listeners will know. Yes. Uh, was a prophet. Wheaton, major, major influence in terms of worship theology mm-hmm. within the evangelical world. And they may even know the encyclopedia yeah. that he and Starson put together years ago. Um, but the idea of IWS is to equip servant leaders in worship renewal. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at students from the broadest range of what some people may not even call evangelicalism, but people mm-hmm. have a core of evangelicalism. Everything from the occasional Catholic to Seventh-day Adventist to the Baptist to the Reformed mm-hmm. to um, EV Free to, I mean, I can't, uh, you know, independent charismatic, Presbyterian, and all in this rich stew. Yeah. It's not a melting pot because right. the individual flavors are still there. Mm-hmm. Stew of saying, what can we do to help people from a biblical, uh, historical, um, discipleship base, mm-hmm. how can we help people encounter God in a better way? Yeah. So it's very academically rigorous. It's really stu- it's it's about worship. It's worship for musicians, mm-hmm. not music. Yeah. Yeah. So Weber's vision was all these people who were, had their music degrees who wanted to learn more about the theology and the history. They said, "Well, that's great. You got that. First, you got to do a, a, an MDiv. Then you got to do a DMIT. It's like this is rubbish. Yeah. So that's why the master in worship, masters in worship studies, the doctor of worship studies program came about. It really is the fountainhead from which all these other ones took yeah. their name, yeah. <laughs> literally the name yeah. and their genesis. So the student body is incredibly eclectic theologically, yeah. but also internationally. Thirty percent." of the students are international. Yes, the Canadians are there, of course, we love our Canadian brothers, but Nigeria, Poland, Norway, Mongolia, Burma, Hong Kong, half of Hong Kong, I think has been through there, Taiwan, Singapore, et cetera, et cetera, and by God's grace, we hope to have the first Ukrainian student at the beginning of the year. So it's this incredible mix of people and professors from from Wheaton, we had a professor from Duke, you've got all these people Christian Missionary Alliance, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Anglican. Constance Cherry. Constance, yeah. we're talking about Wesleyan. I mean, I, I, that's my tribe. How can yeah, I forget right. that? <laughs> um, uh, Anglican. It's Episcopalian. Yeah. So it's like 
this rich, rich stuff. Yeah. So being able to understand and study with those kind of uh, teachers, mm -hmm. who in fact the doctoral program was team taught. Yeah. So the te the program that the classic Constance teaches, she's at Indiana Wesleyan. The guy that she teaches with is at Northwestern in Iowa, and he's very much a committed reform guy. Wow. And they co-teach the class. That's great. That just don't happen nowhere. No, that's true. And so the link for me was I was trying to get there for a long period of time. The door kept being closed, kept being closed, kept being closed. The opportunity for Ukraine came up, not, not in lieu of, but I thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing in Ukraine. I'm committing to be involved in Ukraine after that. And about two months after, they got a call from Jim, who's here, who's the president, said, Fred, remember how we tried to get you here? I said, yeah. He said, well, I was only fooling. Uh, he said, we can do this, blah, 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 blah. So I said, will you come in June? I said, absolutely. This was mm -hmm. April. So the Ukrainians find out, and they say, well, does this mean you will not come to Ukraine? I said, no, I think it means I will bring it with me. Hmm. So that, in some ways, is what we brought. We brought this kind of historical, the ancient future yeah. term, which basically Weber came up with, that understanding the principles of the faith in terms of Old Testament, New Testament, church history, which we often neglect, yeah. uh, but bringing it even to the flavor of contemporary music. Yeah. So it's, you get people who are, who are informed as well as hip. Yeah. So, listeners, uh, some of you may be aware of this, but all I have to say is the fourfold pattern. You Absolutely, know? and you're, you'll you'll find come you know, on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll 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 be right at home if you want to know more about that. Gathering, sure. word, yeah. table, sending, mm -hmm. important elements. That could be in your worship set if you're just doing the typical evangelical slash charismatic, you know, twenty to thirty minutes. Truly, but when the service has that, it really reflects the heart of God. Not yes. that the others don't. But it really gives you a richness that you don't experience yeah. in many other way. Well, we've already gone over the Sorry. lot of time. No, Not that's surprised. all right. But you know what? It's my podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> You're so, the editor. That's right. I'm the editor. And uh, the, room, the room is quieted down again now. There's, there, there's multiple interviews going on in the room at any given time. But uh, one last question for you, just because we were talking about IWS. Can you remember the first Robert Weber book that you read. I'll tell you the one, because I, I can remember it distinctly. Which was? Uh, Ancient Future Worship. Okay. And I had, um, I, I had never read anything like that before, but I was so thirsty for it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Coming yeah. out of Trevecca, I was, I was almost ready to become a Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if there was any way to, like, reconcile what I was longing for the church to be with what I saw in the church. And um, I, I think Weber was brilliant in helping us kind of sort of bridge these ideas and say, hey, these are not actually that far off, you know. But anyway, do you remember? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm ordained to the missionary church, which is out of a Wesleyan background, but I was raised Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to remember the book. It may have been bits and pieces of stuff like articles in Worship Leader magazine, mm -hmm. but I distinctly, absolutely remember when I first heard Weber speak. Mm. Uh, he did a conference, actually he was doing local churches, something at Brentwood Methodist here in Middle Tennessee. And I was with uh, two friends who were both Anglican hmm. at that point. But here's Weber talking about fourfold. He's trying to uh, lay it out there. I'm going, I've come home. Yeah. This is like the meshing of these worlds mm -hmm. in a way that nobody had ever said there was consonance. It was yeah. always dissonance. Yeah. Uh, not just cognitive, cognitive dissonance. Yes. It was like total dissonance. Wait, wait a minute. You mean people believed this and I have friends like that and this could happen here? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've read so much Weber now, but it's not just about Weber and IWS. For sure. I mean, yeah. not, certainly not. In fact, you probably read less than you think. Yeah. Um, but the principles are there. But I think the one that I use the most now, because it's one of the only ones translated into Russian, 
although we don't have a Ukraine, we have Ukrainian and Russian speakers, is worship old and new. Mm. Because that's a great overview yes. of that. That and reading articles and stuff from the, the library. Yeah. But uh, mention any of the Weber books I've read. Ancient Future Worship yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Divine Embrace impacted me more personally than anything else. It's from a devotion perspective and how does that inter how do we interact with God in terms of that. But, wow. Yeah. Never met oh, Bob, great. but love to hear him speak. I, I did have the pleasure of meeting him uh, before he passed away. He, he came to the church near where I was and, and I went to a little, it was a very small conference, maybe 200 people that showed up and walked in the door. There he is shaking hands with people like he was the working preacher the room. in the church, yeah. working the room, you know, and it was, it was wonderful. I, I think it was maybe a year and a half to two years after that, he passed away from cancer. I had no idea he was sick. It was just such a shock. But yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, well, no, there's, what, he's, yeah. what, what he started goes on and continues to grow and uh, develop, which is really exciting to see it in a dynamic sense. Yeah. But so grateful that he was that kind of bridge. Oh, for sure. Well, Fred Human, this has been great to sit with you again today. I'm going to put some things in our show notes on our website at VoicesInMyHeadPodcast.com so people can find out more about Music Works International. And, and Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary, UETS.net. UETS.net. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Fred, for being one of the Voices in My Bless Head. Bless you, man. Always week. good to see you. <laughs> says just to call him Steve. Steve is fine. <laughs> so welcome to Voices in My Head. It's so great to have you here. Uh, my pleasure. You're the president of Reformed Bible College. Did I say that right? Reformed Close. Reformation. Reformation Bible, Bible College. College. My apologies <laughs> no on that. So now what does, maybe, I've always wanted to ask this question sure. actually. I've known a few presidents over the years, but what does a president do day in, day out? You know? Well, Let's see. What I know now, five years after being in the job, is very different from what I know. You know, the main thing is I get to represent the vision of the college. And I present that vision, whether it's prospective students or their influencers, like youth pastors and Christian school teachers or their parents, to friends who come along and support us, to folks who pray for us. It, it really means I get to just proclaim the mission and the vision of what we're trying to do there and what we're trying to produce through students. So. Well, that's terrific. Well, you've been quite a prolific writer, I see, just going through your site and some different books that you've written and some articles. But I, I have one article that the title alone makes okay. me think, and I want to ask you about. Sure. An Apology for Apologetics. <laughs> yeah. All right. T tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to hear more uh, yeah. about that. You know, it's sort of playing off. The Greek word uh, for apologetics mm -hmm. is apologia, uh -huh. right? 
And it seems like the English word that would derive from that is apology. And as Christians, we should be going around saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian, I'm sorry for my beliefs, sorry that I think this way. It's the opposite. Uh, the word means to give a defense. Okay. It's a courtroom term, and it means you're on trial, right? And, and you've got to give a defense. So I was playing off of the word there. We don't apologize uh, for being a Christian. We contend for the faith. So, okay, yeah. very good. Well, that's very interesting, and these are some articles that people can look up uh, about you. But um, some of the books that you've written, I'm just going to name some sure. book titles, too. An Absolute Sort of Certainty, The Holy Spirit, The Apologetics of Jonathan Edwards, uh, The Legacy of Luther, and A Time for Confidence, Trusting God in a Post-Christian Society. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, if you would, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on Jonathan Edwards and, mm. and his influence, because there's a lot of discussion about Edwards these days, Sinners yeah. in the Hands of an Angry sure. God, and sure. uh, sermons like that, and then there's been other books, uh, we, we've had guests on this show that come from kind of different perspective, mm -hmm. people like Brian's on, and people that'll come on and talk about sinners in the hands of a loving God, and, yeah. and uh, I'd, I'd just love to hear about sort sure. of your, some of your thoughts on Jonathan. You know, I, I first came into Edwards as a student, and I, and I stayed with him for quite a bit, and uh, written a few books. I, I always felt enriched by spending time with Edwards, but here's what I learned as I've worked with Edwards. We know him as as this sort of puritanical Puritan. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was H.L. Mencken who said, a Puritan is anyone who thinks that somewhere someone might just be having a good time. Um, and so we, we paint them as these dour, fire and brimstone. And of course, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God is exhibit A. Okay. But I'm not sure, well, number one, it's true, right? God is holy, we are not. And the most compassionate thing we could do for someone is tell them the truth. Okay. But here's the other thing to Edwards. Uh, in that sermon, he ends it with, and Christ has flung the door of mercy wide open. And he stands in the door and he says to poor sinners, come home. And when you read through Edwards, you find, here's, here's the, the favorite word of Jonathan Edwards, is sweetness. The sweetness of Christ beauty, joy, excellence. This was Edward's true lexicon, and his writings overflow with it. So I think, I don't want to diminish sinners in the hands of an angry God. What he's saying in there is very true. We need to be reminded of it. We sort of get lulled into thinking we're okay. No, we're lost without Christ. More de most desperate situation we can be without Christ. But there's a lot to Edward's, and um, I always come away reading him just inspired and encouraged. Well, I was going to say, too, yeah, that's that seems to be the, the one sermon that people focus on, too. And, and you're right, though. There is a lot more to it, and there's been many, that sweetness aspect <laughs> yeah. of it is not always told. And I think that's good that you're, you're bringing that forth. There's a Princeton scholar um, who would say that uh, Paul Ramsey, an ethicist at Princeton University, and he was a big Edwards fan, and Edwards had a sermon called Heaven is a World of Love. Mm. And Ramsey used to say, I wish people knew Edwards for Heaven is a World of Love. <laughs> yeah. and, and every time they read Sinners, they should also read Heaven is a World of Love. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, well, those are some powerful thoughts. Well, tell me what your thoughts are on the Sing 2019 yeah. conference so far. Oh, love it. I've uh, been to all three of them yeah. from the beginning. Uh, I think what Keith and Kristen are doing is, is so crucial for the church and to help the church get back to congregational singing. 
you know, last year the focus was on the Psalms, which is great, and this year it focuses on the life of Christ. Uh, I mean, this is this is the true, eternal story, the life of Christ. That is at the essence of who we are, and to be able to have this conference where you talk about the value of singing about that and, and bringing that back into the church, it's great. I love it. I've been enjoying the, the diversity too, whether it be the artists or the speakers, and it's it's been a great place. Even just fellowshipping, having some time to sit down with people at meals, and you know, how how many different countries? I think they said like <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember thirty or maybe fifty <laughs> countries or it's like a thousand here. people are international. Yeah. yeah, and you know you think about what Keith and every time I, I've been in conversations where worship style or music in the church comes up, it just it gets divisive. Almost instantly, yeah. And then you look at Keith and Kristen and Gettys, and they're actually bringing people together, yeah. not separating. Yeah. So it's a great phenomenon, yeah. and uh, yeah, just I wish it well, and I, I really think we're we're seeing the beginnings of a movement here yeah. in the church. Well, Steve Nichols, thank you for taking some time today. I want to refer everybody to ReformationBibleCollege.org so you can find out more about Reformation College. And uh, and, and we'll, we'll call you Steve, but according to your site, you're Steve and Jay, so we want to make sure that everybody checks <laughs> yeah, form, out your books and official. your writings. That's right. Well, thank you for taking a few moments today to share your thoughts with us and uh, for being one of the voices in my head this week. My pleasure. Sing with me. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe. From every nation and tongue, He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is he worthy of this? He is. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? He is. He again and I'm here with my new friend Joshua is it McLeod? McLeod. McLeod. Yes, I'm sorry. Sir. All right. Uh, it's no spelled M A C L E O D so that's why my confusion. <laughs> I knew definitely you were Josh. So yes, let's sir. do it that way. But I'm here to talk with Josh today because he has an incredible company and ministry 
called Instruments of Joy, and I want you to look, look it up, listeners. It's called instrumentsofjoy.org. You can find it online. And I want you to tell us a bit about what Instruments of Joy does, because this is fascinating, and it's one of the best ministries that I think I've heard of in some time. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so, so Instruments of Joy, um, our mission is to provide quality musical instruments to musicians in need. Mm-hmm. So there's... There's actually hundreds of thousands of musicians all over the world that don't have the ability to afford a quality musical instrument uh, or even any instrument at all. And so what we do is we take instruments that are sitting in a corner collecting dust or that somebody has and we collect that instrument, uh, we get it in tip-top shape and we send it to a musician in the developing world and then we give back a photo of the person who received the gift. Uh, So we can take that clarinet that you used to play that you don't play anymore, uh, get it into the hands of somebody where it'll be an absolute treasure, or we purchase instruments. Mm -hmm. So we have um, some agreements with several manufacturers where we can get instruments at or below cost. And so it's really exciting to me that we're not only sending out normal instruments, but we're really sending out quality, exceptional yes. instruments to musicians who otherwise would not, wouldn't have an opportunity to have an instrument. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about it, because you're not just you know taking your old crummy instrument that you didn't want anymore. No. You're, you're actually making sure they're good quality instruments. I, I've been thinking about this uh, more just in the last couple of days since I first came across your booth and, uh, and your assistant. Would I call her assistant Andrea? Or, oh, she's, uh, a, she's, she's, she's a project the coordinator. Project you better watch coordinator. out. Yeah, I won't she... call her assistant. Then. She's, well, I can tell she was very important to uh, your organization. And, and boy, she told me everything I needed to know. It was wonderful. Um, but I was thinking about it more even after my conversation with her yesterday. So often we're quick to think about when uh, sending things of compassion to people, we'll think about food, we'll think about water, we'll even think about Bibles. Yeah. Um, but I, it seems like it should have been a no-brainer, but very rarely do we think, wow, music is such an integral part to life and even the spiritual life. You know, And if people don't have good instruments to play, it's very difficult to make good music. You know? It's crazy. So I, I was able to spend about seven years uh, visiting 20 different countries studying global poverty and I was in slums and war zones and orphanages and just all over and one of the things I learned about poverty is that poverty is is not uh, fair Mm -hmm. you can't really fight poverty poverty is like a cloud and if you swing at it you just kind of swing through the air Mm -hmm. so the only way to rise up out of poverty is to build bridges out of poverty to build structures to build systems to build character and um, what what happens is is if you live in an environment where all you see is chaos all you see is you know poverty and crime and violence and uh, you know sickness and death uh, you lose hope yeah so a lot of times people people don't take steps out of poverty if they don't have hope yeah and one of the best ways to bring hope is to bring music yeah so I learned that people living in poverty really need to see beautiful things. Yeah. And uh, you can close your eyes when a worship song is happening and you can think about the hope that we have in eternity, the hope that we have in the future. But you can't do that if you, if you have a horrible sounding instrument yeah. or if you have no instrument at all. Yeah. And so I was at a, an AIDS orphanage in Malawi and I saw this exhibited. There was a young man who 
we were we were standing there it was on a traditional short-term missions trip you know mm -hmm. so that we're kind of standing in the front and the orphans are, are standing there in the crowd and everybody feels very awkward and we're like what are we all doing here and I was at the clinic we had toured around and there was no electricity the kids are eating once a day and everybody's parents had died of AIDS mm. so it's like if you can imagine the bleakness of that yeah. situation and so I um, I'm standing there and then this kid walks in and he's got a gas can and a block of wood. I actually have a picture so you can see like this is the this oh, is I the see kid. The picture. Yeah. And he starts singing and praising. And you know, here in Nashville you get to learn a good musician. Yeah. He was an incredible musician. Yeah. And the atmosphere, the whole atmosphere of the place just changed. Hmm. And so formerly there was only gloom and discomfort yeah. and now there was hope and there was kids praising. So I sat there looking at this kid and I'm like I've got three guitars sitting in my bonus room collecting dust, and this kid is using a gas can and a block of wood to radically transform the atmosphere of a, a place of poverty. Yeah. And I've got an answer to that. You know, why, mm. what am, were my extra instruments really doing me any good? Were they, were they as valuable to the kingdom of God as this kid taking a gas can? He was taking his gift, yeah. mixing it with a gas can and a block of wood, and I thought, what could that kid do if he had a real quality instrument? So mm. I, had to, I had to make that choice, wrestle with God a little yeah. bit and, and send him a guitar. Yeah. And then since that time, I think we're, we've given out like 420 instruments in 56 wow. countries. And, and it's really picked up in the last like year or so where just about every other day we're able to give a musician in the developing world a quality musical instrument in Jesus' name. So That's terrific. Hey, cool. when we're done here, mm. uh, what I'd love for you to do, can you send me a copy of that picture yeah. with, you with the gas can? Because I will put it on voicesinmyheadpodcast.com on our website because I'd love for people to see that uh, with the link to Instruments oh, I, of I appreciate uh, that. I'd love that. Joy. Yeah. Do you have like an after too when he received the so guitar? Because maybe we could put that on here, as well. Here's that same kid uh, with my Alvarez. All right. Oh, okay, I <laughs> so see the So there was picture. a mission trip, yeah, going All right. like two weeks well, later when I got back. So you could see the before awesome. and after. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can go to our website, and we'll make sure and post pictures of that so you can see what we're talking about. It's really a great thing. Um, I want to find out um, how people listening can help. First question I have in that realm um, do you travel to churches and, and make presentations about this? I mean, if you're invited to, to come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can share it, yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, we're also working on a video, actually right now, like a two-minute video to play in churches. Uh, oh, there's, great. there's been several churches that will do an instrument drive, nice. uh, talk about the ministry, and okay, next week, anybody that has an extra instrument, mm -hmm. you know, let's do a drive, and then we'll, yeah. we'll collect them. Uh, we're located out of Nashville, okay. so... If anybody's in the Nashville area, we have several churches where you can drop off your instruments. Yeah. If you're in another area and it's close enough, we'll drive out and, and pick them up sure. if you get enough instruments. Right. Um, but we also, uh, you, if you ship instruments to us, then we can get them overseas okay. you know, once they get to us. So. Great. Well, that was the main thing I was wondering about because I, I feel like there probably are people all over the nation that we can look in our closets and find something that is not being used. Yeah, you know, right exactly. Now. Um, but I also know I have people who listen who are incredibly generous and would probably buy something new, you know, just yeah. to send. And, and if they wanted to do that, you would probably work that out as well, I would yeah. assume. Really, the best, the best thing uh, in that scenario is just to make a financial donation to okay. us. Sure. Because we have um, connections where I can get stuff at or below cost. 
nice. uh, from distributors. So we'll go and buy in bulk. So I'm buying you okay. know 20, 30 instruments at a time. Nice. And so often we can get like $600 instruments for like $200. All right. uh, and so we have a we have a thing that we just started called the crew, mm-hmm. like our you know instruments of joy is like our crew members, like yeah. the band crew. And so if like a $20 a month donation from a Sunday school class or something like that, we'll send one instrument a year. So we'll send sure. you a picture of the musician who gets your gift. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, or if you do like uh, $40 is two or like with five, uh, with $100, it's five instruments okay. a year. So you get kind of those pictures and you can pray sure. for the musicians and stuff like that. Well, so that's, that's a new thing that we started. Well, that's terrific. Well, I'll try to put as much of that information as I can on the site too when we release this episode. Um, so listeners, you can, again, go to VoicesInMyHeadPodcast.com and look up the Sing 2019 special. You'll be able to find this. So um, I want to tell everybody once again, the website is InstrumentsOfJoy.com. Their slogan is We Equip Aspiring Mu- let me say that again. I can't talk. <laughs> we, equ- we equip aspiring musicians in the developing world with quality instruments. And boy, that's a mouthful to say. <laughs> yeah, it's easy yeah, to read, it but it's hard to say. So, yeah. uh, so um, but I, I'm just, uh, I applaud you for, for this. I, I think this is such a great work. Oh, and, it's a gift. Uh, God is good. And what a cool thing that on the way out with uh, Fernando that you got to meet him and he sounded interested in maybe being a yeah. part too and helping. So, <laughs> so I hope that all works out. Um, well. Because what a great platform that could be to, to help serve other people. The other thing I wanted to say about Instruments of Joy is every one of our instruments is given in Jesus' name. So it's, it's exciting to me that the, the musician who receives the gift, they don't know who I am, they don't know who the donors are. All they know is that somebody shows up with a quality musical instrument and says, hey, Jesus wants you to have that. Yeah. Uh, so that, this is from Jesus. This is a gift know? from Jesus. Yeah. Every, every one of our instruments is given in Jesus' yeah. name. So That is so cool. Well, thank you for the work you're doing. And once again, thank you for being one of the voices in my Sandra McCracken for a few minutes. So I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for being on Voices in My Head. Thank you so much, Rick. Well, I have been really enjoying uh, listening to your new hymn, and I want to talk to you about that in just a moment. But I first want to say congratulations on the new baby. And, Thank you. Uh, he squeezed my finger in the other room, <laughs> and it just made me miss my son so yes. much. So. <laughs> yeah. but they're, they're pure sugar at this point. Yeah. You know, a couple it, months old and just... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty special. Well, God is good, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good to see, um, it's good to see new things happening in your life mm-hmm. that are good, and uh, just kind of following your journey over the years. I know there have been tough days, and I know there have yeah. been valleys and peaks and all kinds of things, but 
Um, it's, it's good to see some goodness in your life and some good joy coming about. You probably won't remember this at all, but I think it was last year, actually, at Trevecca University, you were a part of the Worship Leader Conference. Yeah. And uh, we met very briefly in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. You were trying to find your way out after you had performed that night. <laughs> so where am I? Oh, so my gosh. <laughs> Thankfully, I was a student at Trevecca years ago. I knew right where to point oh, to. Oh, that's so. great. Thank you. I remember that. You're welcome. Um, well, this is a song, Christ is the Life of the World. I, I immediately want to say the light of the world, but the mm -hmm. song actually is, is very different, the mm -hmm. life of the world. And I heard that you wrote this song kind of in the middle of winter by candlelight. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that experience. I did. Thanks for asking. I was reading, um, so the, the title is directly connected to the book I was reading at the time called um, For the Life of the World, which okay. is like, Kind of, it's it's this beautiful book written by um, an author named, by the, with the last name Schmeiman, which took me a while to figure out how exactly to pronounce mm -hmm. it. But Alexander Schmeiman, and um, I think it's out of print right now. But it's it, it reminds me of things that I read when I was a kid around um, like from Francis Schaeffer, where you think about, or or like uh, Kuiper, where you think about all of life. There's mm -hmm. not a molecule in, that is not. Over, there is not one molecule in the universe that God doesn't claim to be his own. So mm. that there's not just like sacred and secular. Um, so this book really talks and explores that. And the central part of it is, is really like the cross. I mean, mm. it's the fact that if everything holds together and when we gather at the table for communion, we are um, brought out of dis, like um, things that have been pulled apart are brought together and yeah. there's healing and there's something that's happening in that exchange that we do weekly or monthly or whenever we join um, in this practice um, that really puts life together and then we're sent back out into our lives yeah. whether no matter what your vocation and all of that other work in the world becomes um, infused with right. this healing right so it's like we we literally take the bread and the wine and and it becomes nourishment to us yeah. through his spirit so it's really i think it's really central in song but you don't hear all that in in the hymn mm -hmm. um so i think taking those kind of big concepts theologically and trying to just bring them into a meditative context and to yeah. be able to sing them so for me it's been great to have to like to to you know take these words and to um, sing them over and over. Christ yeah. is the life of the world, and to find um, some encouragement in that. Have you ever used it when leading, um, like during a communion setting? Yes, we've yeah. actually. It's it's funny because um, the song. So I've I've been um, serving as a as the music director at a small Anglican church for the past five years, and this song is actually we I wrote it about two years ago, okay. and so. Like when my my older kids when they heard it the new recording well there hadn't been a recording okay. but when they heard it they were like mom that's not a new song and I was like no yeah. <laughs> it's not to you because we've been singing it in our sure. church context for a while which is one of the kind of the um, cool things about doing both like being having life in a local community mm -hmm. and then at a certain point after it's been like stewing and sitting and you know being sure. part of that then sending it out 
more broadly. So yeah. it's kind of neat. I don't know. Well, and it's it's a neat song too, and, and it kind of starts out with a feel of. And, and by the way, I always consider you sort of the Emmy Lou Harris of Christian oh, music. Well, you know, when you. I hear your voice and just That's the way it praise. starts. And, well, I, I was I was hoping you would take it as such. <laughs> I because, do. Yeah. Um, it, it really does. I, I just always always getting like a, an Emmy Lou groove when I listen oh, to you, good. but. <laughs> Um, but I love the way the song starts, and, and I'm sure Ben Scheib probably had a lot to do with this too, but it really starts with this light finger-picking, and, yeah. and you think, oh, it's going to be just kind of a, a folk song, and then it, it turns in very symphonic, you mm -hmm. know, and, yeah. and it just takes some unexpected turns whenever you're listening, and I just think it's a beautiful hymn, I really do, and it, for whatever purpose you would use it for in a worship service, it's Thank very you. good. Ben did a beautiful job with the arranging and wrote the parts for the string, you know, kind of did all those things and made it feel more orchestrated. I think if it were just me, it would just be the little triplet guitar thing that's happening yeah. and kind of linear. <laughs> but um, yeah, he did, a, he did a beautiful job. And we were, we were also mindful at the time that of wanting, um, I talked to Ben about wanting to make this feel accessible so that somebody mm -hmm. could hear it and say, oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Church. Like we'd love for the song to be useful yeah. and to, um, like you said, like at a communion service mm -hmm. or wherever it would be. And, um, and I, not to interrupt, but I think it just, just as easily somebody just sitting at a piano yeah. or, you know, it's it's for, very accessible yes. for that oh, purpose. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, going beyond just that song for just a moment, um, in the time that we have, I, I wonder, it seems like you've kind of um, taken on a worship leader role over the last few years, maybe more than you once did because because of your involvement leading at this local church. Um, and yet I, I still feel very much, you know, there's a lot of folk roots sort of in your music. And um, one thing about folk music that I really like, even if you think back to like Pete Seeger or someone, he really got people singing like together. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious just Where's your heart? Um, maybe the question's better like this. What's your greatest joy when you're making music anymore these days? Have you found that like it's really great to get all the people involved singing like in a congregational setting? Or do you really love kind of taking on the role of folk singer and singing these songs? But they're not totally dissimilar in that oftentimes you are getting people to sing and you're trying to get them to move, but where do you find kind of your greatest joy in between those two kind of musical worlds? Because they can be quite different in a congregational setting versus playing four people uh, on a stage somewhere. Mm, that's a great question. I love that question because it's it makes me think about when I was a little girl, I was really shy, was not... Um, was not eager to be on stage or in front of people or even just in front of you know a big my, I'm from a big family but I was the young, I'm the youngest so I was kind of always like on the sidelines just sure. loved being around all the action but not really needing to be in the middle of it and I think um, with singing I think the greatest joy for me is is that communal aspect of it so writing writing something is is I, I love the you know that's uh, gratifying like to kind of like oh man where did the song come from I didn't know I could do it. you know I didn't know this was in there but the real joy is is when the song then goes out and everybody else makes it their own and there's this communal thing because then I can sort of back off of the microphone or off to the side of the room and recognize that everyone is in this together yeah. and that we're sharing that and um, yeah we all probably have a tug of 
uh, between, you know, ego and insecurity. Mm. And I think singing can be very healing in that sense because mm. we are in it together and it's you're part of it, but you're not the center and yeah. we're all doing this thing. And I think the practice of that, like being in a choir is, um, man, it's a tradition and it's a, um, it's a great thing to do because mm. it, it helps us to access that part of like what it is to be communal. But not everybody can be in a choir. So yeah. if you can join on a Sunday morning, yeah. you know, take your earbuds out for a minute and actually <laughs> recognize there are other people around you. You know, right. there's like, a, yeah. it's a different communal experience. And um, we've lost some of that in our culture of like singing together. That's true. You know? Yeah. So you said that and it, it leads me down another path, the, the communal aspect of music. Um, is it more personal or more communal when you listen to a song? So I'm probably in a transition in that way because I think as a, uh, for, for my first, um, I mean, f for my first 20 years of doing this, I think it started out pretty inward facing. Like, mm -hmm. what, do, what do I feel? How do I want to express that? When I first started writing, I was a teenager. Yeah. And it was like all about me and my feelings, you know? And then I think I'm in a transition now where I recognize the like it is so much more um, it's so much more fun to like turn that back like to ask mm -hmm. the question than to be asked. Yeah. And I think to take the to take what I've learned about whatever's inside yeah. <laughs> and try to just open it up and be in a conversation with others. Yeah. So um, yeah, my hope is that it would be growing more and more communal yeah. and less. I mean, not that it's not still personal. Sure. That's going to be unavoidable because we're all a little bit self-preoccupied. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure you know, even from your Psalms project, when you go to the book of Psalms, mm -hmm. even the personal Psalms are meant to be right. communal, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, the we and the I are yeah, almost interchangeable. Yeah, and they were. Um, it's, um, it's fascinating to think that these were all at one time the hymn book for Israel, you know, that they sang these songs, even the I ones, and, and it's interesting to find that. Well, we're almost done, and I'll let you go in a minute. I've enjoyed our time together, but I'm just curious, um, what's on your playlist at home right now, or your CD player, or I don't know, maybe Spotify? I, people listen through so many different places, but what's, what's inspiring you right now? Um, well, it's funny, but um, because it's it's still 95 degrees outside, but I am listening to Christmas music a oh. lot because I've just been in the middle of a Christmas project that will be out later this year, and um, I love kind of the the classic kind of Christmas sounding yeah. records and um, and have been digging into some of that and writing some new things. But just enjoying the old carols too, and yeah. seeing what it's like to um, put them in a new context. So. Well, that's terrific. Well, we just had a concert at the Opry House last night. That was the Gettys were recording a new Christmas oh, live right. taping. So, Phil Keggy came out and did Silent Night, and I think we were all welcoming it with the heat that we had outside that to have so some Christmas. So, that's terrific. Well, Sandra McCracken, thank you for giving us a few moments of your time today, and Thanks, I hope you have a, a wonderful time. I think there's a luncheon you're playing at. I, I'm going to so. be at this afternoon oh, as well. So yeah, that's great. That's well, thank you for being Thanks, one of the voices Rick. in my head this week.
so we're sitting down right now with Matt Papa. He is here as one of the artists at the Sing Conference in 2019, and he and Matt Boswell just released a really great new album. It's called His Mercy Is More, The Hymns of Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. So Matt, welcome to Voices in My Head. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it's such a privilege, and uh, last night was great, by the way. Our listeners won't know this because they weren't here, but last night was at the Grand Ole Opry, and it was a taping of the Getty's new Christmas special, yeah. and you, both of the mats, came out and uh, sang a really great rendition of your song, uh, Sing We the Song of Emmanuel, which is, I yeah. believe, track four on this album. Yeah. And uh, so what was it like for you? Is this Was that your first time to play on the Opry stage? Yeah, it was fine. Well, I played there Sunday night for, oh, okay. uh, uh, we, we did like a kind of a writer's round type thing, kind of pre- before the conference started. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but, but but yeah, I mean, basically this week, this is, a, this is the first time I've played in the Opry room, and it was amazing. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful room. It goes, it just kind of keeps going up. You look from the stage, it's like, it's 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 pretty awesome, and and obviously a lot of great music has been played there. But yeah, the the Christmas deal last night was was so much fun. The, the Gettys, uh, their band, such talented folks. Um, there and and the guest artists and all that that that, that he brought in, um, uh, so I, I'm not quite sure why me and Matt were included uh, <laughs> in the mix of those people, but uh, but yeah, it was a good time. It fit perfectly though. The, oh, cool. the song about the Emmanuel right in the midst of all the Christmas celebrations. Yeah. So be looking for that uh, this coming year at Christmas time. I think on TBN or one of the networks. Yeah, it'll be on TBN. Be airing it. Uh, well, I'd love to know just real quick about um, how the new album came about between between the two mats, as I guess I'll call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, probably ten or twelve years ago, um, I was with a music company, and and Matt was also with a different music company. But we were sort of um, respect respectfully doing our own things, and uh, and uh, sort of our music companies that we were with paired us together to write. Um, and both of us were sort of, um, you know, we were doing our own things, but we were both kind of, um, at the same time, interested in this thing of hymns, like writing hymns. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so when we got together that day, we, we did that. We, 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 we wrote one, and we started another run, I think, and if I remember correctly. But, but, and then essentially since then, I mean, about, we, we just kind of just kept at it, and really like every Wednesday at 10 a.m. on Skype, uh, Matt and I met for the past 10 years mm. you know so like we've kind of just been very slowly and steadily doing it and so this album is is uh, is that so yeah. it's 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 like five or six of the songs you know I mean songs we've we've been working on for the past 10 years and we, we you know a lot of them take take years to, to finish but um, but so there's five or six older songs and then in the last couple years we we kind of hustled and 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 finished out some new ones and and so the 13 songs total um but it's it's sort of the culmination of of our work for the past like 10 years well shame on me for not doing the research but it sounds like a live album um did did you record it It is yeah well it's Um, it's kind of semi-live so what we did was we recorded in a studio Mm -hmm. with uh, with an audience, so like um, it was in a music studio in Nashville, but we uh, there's a kind of a, a great room and we got about a hundred people in there, 
um, people who knew the songs or and, and some of them were from like various choirs and things and so yeah it was kind of like a semi live thing and but I think it, it turned out wonderful it was cool you know with live records the the and, and worship in particular like the, the essence of it right I guess is uh, people singing yeah. together to God and so like uh, to 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 do this album and and it be a live thing, you know it just it 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 captures the essence of the thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it really feels live. However you did it, it feels live. And cool, it's cool. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thanks. got a good sound to it. Well, I'm always curious. Um, what kinds of things are are you reading or listening to? Um, what kind of things uh, are you? I guess I'm asking from a perspective of people who are listening who may be interested in in writing. And I'm always looking for good advice for writers, and I know a lot of that has to do with things that, like books that people read, maybe poets, um, yeah. maybe, maybe even films. Sometimes, just wondering if you have any good recommendations for us. Yeah, um, you know, I I'm trying to think over the past two to three years, um, I've really, I've really enjoyed, you know. G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, they're some of the best, like, with metaphors, you know. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, um, and, man, I wish I, I wish I had known Yasek, because I, I, have, I have a list of, of books, or, you know, or a, a huge stack of books in my bookshelf that are kind of in a section that are basically, like, these are great mm-hmm. uh, for writers or for, or for songwriting. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to try to think through through some of those. Um, I, I'll think of it after your next question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no problem at no. all. I I don't want to take a ton of your time, but uh, what's what's your? This is really not anything to do with writing or anything. That it's just a personal preference thing. Um, what's your way of preference to listen to music? Do you like vinyl? Do you like to listen mm. on your phone? Do you like to listen through CDs, or do you have a preferred way that if you could listen? you would yeah I mean I I stream it and I like to pop in the headphones and that's usually usually how I do it yeah yeah, yeah. good stuff all right yeah. it's it's always a fascinating question because I'm finding that uh, the the younger I talk to anymore it seems like vinyl is the way they're going more oh, and more all yeah. the time which yeah, is yeah. which is fascinating and, and uh, anyway yeah. Well, I want to say thank you again for your music. Thank you for yeah. spending some time here and, and just a few moments uh, on this compilation episode that we're going to do. I've awesome, really man. been enjoying. Uh, this was actually my first time to get to hear you in a live setting, and, okay. and it was, so it was really great to get to do that. But I Very appreciate cool. the work you're doing, and thank you for uh, contributing to the modern hymns that we have today. Thanks, so, man. Thanks so Papa, much. Thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week.
again at the SING 2019 conference and I'm so privileged today to be able to have a quick conversation with Fernando Ortega. Fernando, welcome to Voices in My Head. Thanks a lot. I have been a fan for some time and I'm really glad to get to have a conversation with you today. How have you been enjoying the conference so far or is this your first day? This is my day? first day okay. at it and, um, and I've yeah, I was in a phone meeting in the morning, and then I haven't really attended any of the stuff until yeah. I will after I finish these interviews. Yet. So you've been running around like crazy. All, a little bit. Long, this place so. is huge. Yes. I mean, Opryland Hotel is not yeah. It's not Super 8, that's for sure. It's that's not, where I'm staying. So. Oh, okay. There was a kid that, that showed me around this morning who said he walks 27 miles a day here as an employee. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, he ought to be fit, I would think. For yeah, sure. yeah, he looked fit. So. <laughs> well, welcome then to the SING Conference uh, for yeah. the first part of it today. Yeah, um, I know that many of our listeners are going to know you've been around for a while. You, you've made about 20 albums over the years. 20 albums, yeah. so impressive. And uh, your styles you. have ranged from bluegrass to Latin America to jazz to contemporary worship. Uh, and yet what I think a lot of people really know you for are the hymns um, that you have really rearranged and worked. Um, and, and so I'm curious, um, what role as, as a writer, as a singer... Um, what role in your life have like writers, as far as poets, authors, um, maybe even other singers, what role have people like that played in your own life in in writing songs? Yeah, that's a that's a I would say it's a vital role because you know things, especially when writing about God or love, probably the most two written about things in history, and you're always looking for as a songwriter. Uh, a way to say something new and you can fall into the cliches and vernacular of you know the contemporary uh, arena of that stuff or you can kind of draw on other centuries in the past um, or current really great writers to, to see to, to find new ways find unlikely ways of expressing yourself you know, I think that's the challenge for a writer yeah you don't want to just say the same thing the way everybody else has already said it yeah. so so I do, I, I, I love to read poetry, good writers. Um, uh, Flannery O'Connor, even though she's not poetic, but her prose um, helps me think about things, think, think about the gospel in a different way. Um, Joni Mitchell, the songwriter, the way she, her, her, her rhyme schemes and the way she had of, of making, you know, these ideas fit into such a small space. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Flannery O'Connor. I was going to bring her up. Oh, really? Ago. Okay. Yeah, because I had heard that you really liked her. Do you have a favorite short story or, or book that, 
you really find that has been very helpful to you or very powerful? Two, two answers there. My favorite short story is, is Revelation. That's um, one of the last stories she wrote before she, she died. And then her book um, that I go to all the time is called The Habit of Being, which is just a collection of her letters yeah. from the time right before she signed with, you know, with the publisher uh, and, until she died. And yeah. there's letters to her publishers, letters to her friends, letters to young um, fans of hers. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just a great one. Well, that encourages me. I, I don't know that how often we would hear at like a, a hymn conference or a worship conference the importance of, of authors like Flannery O'Connor, but um, for me, too, I have found that she, hel she helps us, well, maybe she forces us to explore different aspects of our faith than we sometimes even, even want to. I think so, too. You know, there's that, there's that her, her approach to the gospel, she, I think one place she said, you know, with, with a, a kind of a deaf culture, you kind of have to bonk them over the head. That's a terrible paraphrase of how she said it. But um, but her stories are kind of head bonkers in yeah. that you you know it's always ends with death or disfigurement. But in that yeah. in that moment of of death or or, or um, you know just brutality, mm -hmm. the the person the subject finds either God or their need for God. Yeah, and that's the starting place. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something because um, I read that you have talked about very uh, uh, in very profound ways about doubt that has come into your life at times mm -hmm. and uh, there, there's been a gap at times between albums you know uh, at different times and I've heard that you've said before um, that you were dealing with some doubts and things I'd love to, to hear from you because I feel like doubt actually is an important part of our faith journey mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear from you um, what role can doubt play in actually being a, a vital part and an important part of our faith well, for me, um, I mean, there's all kinds of periods of my life where I did experience incredible doubt, but there was, there was a time in particular about seven years ago where I really, I was working at the church and uh, I, was, I was new there. I was, it was a very difficult situation, um, just church politics-wise, but um, I started to develop these sort of social phobias even where I was just uh, I couldn't hang out with the staff people I, I was I just had these weird self-conscious things it was a weird it was a weird time yeah and I found myself going to the sanctuary um, every few minutes and getting on my knees in between the pews on the floor and asking God I need to go back in that office and, and work please get me through 10 minutes <laughs> and that's so why I would go back in the office and, I, and I, I would get through 10 more minutes and then I'd find myself back in the sanctuary on the floor again and it seems like that's how I crawled my way through my life in those times and I didn't feel God I didn't hear his voice I really doubted his existence and um, and and but the perseverance of it the, the, just the holding on to my deeper knowledge that he did exist and that he was for me and with me you know it pulled me through that yeah through that time but it in the middle of it it just seemed like he never would yeah but i know now having been through that, that you know he was there with me yeah <laughs> i don't know if that answers the question yeah no that's good and I, I think sometimes it's so important because i don't know for me when i've experienced those times i think it's been helpful in the long term, because I think it's made me a more 
compassionate person maybe mm. and more open to others when they're having their doubts and yeah. we're, we're so quick to sometimes force answers on people and there's so much sacredness in that moment where we can listen to a person and what they're going through yeah. so i appreciate you just being able to talk about that so many people yeah know. it's hard i was getting emotional there for a yeah. second it's a it's a hard memory um but yeah yeah well, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I wish we had longer today, but I want to be conscious of your time, and it's so nice for you to, uh, to stop in and just talk for a few minutes. I wanted to tell you, um, on a personal note, I've had a number of people over the years, because I, I, I'm a music pastor as well, and mm -hmm. I travel and do music, and, and so your music comes up from time to time, and mm -hmm. people will request songs. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest compliments that I can think of that I've had people tell me a number of times is, I really want Give Me Jesus at my funeral. Oh. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I, I think that's a, a powerful thing for a person to be able to say. I mean, what a, what a sacred thing for person to hold that they, it means that much to them yeah you know. uh, what's today today's monday a week ago no two this last it's, it's, saturday it's tuesday, tuesday think, yeah so yeah. <laughs> this last saturday i sang that song at an at a old friend's funeral yeah, yeah. an incredible woman 82 who died from cancer but um, that was the first song that her family asked me to sing wow it's a huge it's a hugely comforting song i didn't write the song but your arrangement is wonderful yeah i arranged it you know that it's an old like a hymn yeah. old, a, a hymn from the slave days yeah i was gonna say i think it, yeah. it has roots in that and, and that gives it all the more meaning i think yeah. really when we yeah think about all those it. all those really suffering generations that added verses and you know there's so much longing in the song yeah. to me. well it. and i think it's powerful that it's your it's specifically your arrangement of it that people have asked me about that they've said i, I really like that and want to sing it at our cool. churches. So, but, yeah. yeah, I'm singing it tomorrow morning here. Yeah. At this oh, conference. wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, Fernando Ortega, thank you for, for spending yeah. a few yeah. moments with us here today on the Voices in My Head podcast. And, and as I say to all my guests, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. Yeah. Though I will not be silent Oh, no Weston Skaggs. We've been friends for a while, but this was our first time to actually meet in person. And he is an old bear recording artist, and it's just a great thing that we're going to get to hang out a little bit this week. So, Weston Skaggs, yeah. welcome back to Voices in My Head. Hey, glad to be back in, in person this time. Yeah, yeah. We, we just actually experienced something very special. We were in the room uh, with Johnny Erickson Tata, and she gave an interview to uh, another media outlet, and so it was really great to be able to kind of hear her story. So I feel so blessed. I'm almost ready to go home now. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> that was uh, that was very humbling. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to. How yeah. to follow that up? Yeah. But, uh, well, you it's phenomenal to... to hear some of her yeah. story and hear her heart. You know. Yeah. And... 
Well, wow. thank, thankfully, you don't have to really follow her because nobody else but us heard it. So we're just yeah. telling the story. So uh, we're in a room, by the way, where there's uh, other media outlets that are setting up for conversations. So you might hear a little bit of overflow, and you also might hear the Getty Choir in the background rehearsing in the room next door to us. But Weston, talk to us real quick because you're not only involved with ministry at your local church doing music. You're an old Bear Records artist making great music. What's going on with your music these days and the new music that you're making? Well, uh, thanks for having me back on, by sure. the way. Uh, I think we've had two conversations yeah. previously, and uh, and one was about uh, Joy and Sorrow Meet, my first LP with uh, Old Bear and, and Sprig Music, and then uh, and then we talked about my Christmas project, mm -hmm. and, and this year I've been working on two new uh, EPs. Uh, we talked about doing like a, another full-length project, but the songs that uh, were being written... Uh, by myself and then also with Chris Hoisington, Anthony Hoisington, uh, those guys from Brothers McClurg. The songs that were being written kind of were going two different directions or you could hear them going two different directions stylistically and, and things and so instead of uh, trying to put that like tension into one album we just wanted to be free to go stylistically one way with yeah. one EP and then another way with the, the second one. So uh, the first one, first six tracks are in uh, the mixing process right now. Terrific. And yeah. on an unnamed EP, I haven't come up with a, a name <laughs> for it, but it's a, a lot of personal uh, songs um, and uh, some like family songs, story songs, mm -hmm. and uh, a little less into the directly like uh, worship related realm of some of the songs on Joy and Sorrow Meet. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yet there are some there. Mm -hmm. um, but some of them are just to people, and uh, some of them are just about people. And last year was a, a heavy time for um, my family, as both of my grandfathers passed away. Mm, so sorry. And uh, it was just, you know, it just rearranges things in, in your life and in your family, the family dynamic as, as you're missing these patriarchs, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then we also adopted uh, my daughter Amara, so we have three kids now. Uh, she just turned one. But that all happened last summer, and it was just like boom, 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 like highs and lows and, yeah. and tension, you know. Joy and sorrow um, meet. Exactly, right. and that's what, that's what life's all about, and it's just more of it, you know, yeah. now. And uh, so leaned into that, uh, and, uh, and I walked through some, you know, uh, depression and, and like heavy, mm -hmm. heaviness of heart and grief, you know. Sure. And, uh, and so that came... I think that came out in some of the songs, but yeah. uh, um, I think it's important to be real, you know, yeah. as especially within the church, you know, uh, I think you know it too, and we listen to a lot of Christian music, you know, uh, that's mass produced, it's, it's often uh, irrepressibly just like happy all the time, mm -hmm. but uh, when we read God's word, we see the Psalms, and uh, a lot of those songs in the scripture are very honest yeah. to the point of being, you know, uh, just really real about about the pain. And, yeah. and I didn't want to try to fix things in all the songs. So there are some songs that don't bring it back around, yeah. you know, and I just 
felt like I had to leave someone in there, you know, sure. in the pain. Well, we're looking forward to hearing those new songs. I'm glad they're in the mixing product, uh, the mixing process. I'm especially glad that uh, Old Bear Records is, is represented here uh, yeah. today at the Sing Conference. Let me ask you, since we are here at Sing, and this is the Sing 2019 special that we're working on right now for Voices in My Head, uh, what are your hopes and expectations going into this conference in these next couple of days? I'm excited. I watched some of it on the live stream last year, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, how am I not at this? You yeah. know, it's just the thousands of people in the room. Yeah, uh, and singing these, you know, hymns of the faith and, and newer songs of the faith, and then they just have done such a great job at getting so many, uh, so many wonderful people together who have uh, written about worship and mm -hmm. preached on, uh, you know, preached on worship. So many great speakers and artists. That it's just like, man, it's hard to beat this many great, uh, this many great leaders uh, in the church at one conference so yeah. uh, I was just like I gotta be there this year and actually my local church was kind enough to uh, to send me so yeah. yeah well that's terrific well I'm so glad that uh, we're getting to meet up and hang out a little bit while we're here together and uh, looking forward to hearing the new songs I'm looking forward to the the rest of the scene conference and all that God has in store thank you again for for taking a few minutes to talk to us about your music and your life and I'm sorry about the loss of your grandparents I'm uh, I'm overjoyed about new family members <laughs> and uh, I, I will just look forward with great expectation of what God's going to continue to do in your ministry in the coming days. So thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thanks Rick. and freed us by shedding his blood for us. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with some wonderful interviews with amazing people. Because they are so amazing, that's what made the interviews good. Every one of them have such unique talents and abilities and are doing such great things for the kingdom of God. I do want to remind you once again as we close out the show that if you use the code SING, capital S-I-N-G, at rickleyjames.com, rickleyjames.myshopify.com that you can get my latest album on vinyl and CD for $10 off. The latest album is Thunder and it features Thunder, the song that was never released by Rich Mullins. Plus the rest of the album is filled with worship music and original songs that I am so happy to give to you. So go to rickleyjames.com, use that code SING, capital S-I-N-G, and get $10 off the vinyl and CD bundle. Well, that's about all we have for this time. I hope you enjoyed this SING 2019 supersized episode. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.
Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.